Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. Well, Luca Nation, this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun episode. We're gonna be talking all things breaking, uh, and what's cool about today's episode is Cage and I have uh, done a few breaks for you guys. One was a Marvel box that a lot of you guys that are listening have participated in, and afterwards we got quite a few DMs saying, "Hey, why don't you guys consider going on the Loop app? Right? It's so much easier to do breaks there. It's so much easier to get paid there, and you don't have to deal with all these logistics and all the headaches." So today we have a very special guest. His name's Eric. He's the CEO of Loop. And we're going to be talking a ton of things about the hobby. Welcome to the show, Eric. What's going on, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, man. Tell us a little bit about your background. So like, I know you worked on the Xbox project at Microsoft, which is super cool. You're a SUNY grad, right? I think that's right up the alley of Cage over here. In New York City, so tell us your background and how you SUNY found yourself. Is the city, SUNY is state. SUNY, is, he's probably an upstate guy. What's what's SUNY? Yeah. yeah. Um, so SUNY is the state university in New York. It's a whole yeah. network of uh, public New York schools. Um, so I have an engineering degree from. Which one, Eric? Which one? Come on, there's a hierarchy in them. Do I get to make fun of you or not? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> like, did you go to like you know SUNY Potsdam or one of the ones that nobody <laughs> even applies to or? Uh, Alfred State. Ah, I like Alfred State actually. That's a, that's a, that's like a hidden gem. That one. They got a nice campus. That's like I like Alfred State actually. That's good stuff and engineering there too. Hell yeah. So yeah. listen. We love having you on, but we're not here to talk about your college because I don't want to hear about the drunken dorm room parties and I don't want to hear about what you did to those sorority girls. What we want to hear is how you're revolutionizing the industry, man. This is this is this is the deal, right? And and breaking, I gotta tell you, right? So breaking is one of those things you're either in or you're not, right? You can't be half in, right? You can't you you know, you you can't you can't dive in part way, right? You're either in it or you're not. And I'll tell you, we we got half in it. Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you. It is the logistics of it is a nightmare, you know, mm-hmm. especially with somebody like me that's not doing it every day, right? You open up a box and then it's like, oh, you know, the price point, it's really much better if you break it down by team, but then you got 30 people paying six bucks and I'm trying to track it and I'm an old man, Eric. So like I'm tracking it on like a legal pad, you know, my pencils are breaking, you know, I don't even know how to spell Google. Somebody told me to use a Google worksheet. I don't even know what the hell that is. Sounds dirty. But so, so, so obviously what you have done here, and then I'll let you talk because I want to talk about your product. I want to talk about what it does. But what you have done is Andrew says this pretty often, and it's really right. You know, I think it's a, you know, aping a Gary Vee statement, basically, of you know, in the gold rush, the people who got the richest were the people who were selling the pickaxes and the gold pans and the 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 you know the people who were allowing people to pan for the gold. Not necessarily the people who got the gold. Trust me, some people who got the gold mm-hmm. were getting rich, but it's the people who who built the infrastructure up. That supported them that actually made the real money and it sounds like that's what you're doing it sounds like that's your area yeah and like you touched on my my background is at xbox so a lot of a lot of my specialty is just removing friction in systems and making sure that people can get from point a to point b to point c as easy as possible as fast as possible um, and that's both for sellers and buyers of sports cards whether they're the sellers are doing breaks or they're selling singles, whatever it is, um, that we make it easy for them. And a lot of that comes from me getting back into the hobby. <clears throat> Excuse me, I was a huge fan, huge collector when I was a kid, had a lapse, came back into it in adulthood. 
And I was looking around Instagram and realized that, you know, there's a ton of these accounts and I don't know who any of these people are. They're all going live and doing these breaks, which I thought was super fascinating. So I ultimately bought into a break, a personal break from a local card shop when I lived in LA. And it was so much fun and it was entertaining, but I had to like leave and go to PayPal and like send money. And then I'd come back and tell him that I paid and who, who I was. And it was this awkward back and forth that had really nothing to do with the fact that I was buying cards. It was just admin process. So I, I took a step back and went, hey, if I'm gonna go all in on this hobby, why don't I look at, on top of buying way too many cards, how about I bring something to it that's different and makes it easier for people? And that's ultimately what, what Loop is. And we just offer a super easy streaming solution where you can list your, your cards for sale in the live stream. And then everyone pays in one or two taps and we process everything on our side. And then we do a payout the next day to all the sellers. We handle all the receipts. We send the shipping info. Again, it's like end to end, we're just trying to like simplify the whole process. And we're like five months in and it's it's been going great. We have plenty, plenty more features on the way. Eric, you guys got, uh, you received funding in January from Nat Turner and uh, a crew of people there. And mm -hmm. it was $3 million. And like you mentioned, you're a five month old company. Tell us, you know, how do you plan to use that? You know, what features are you, are you planning to add to Loop? Or how do you guys see yourselves kind of uh, taking over the market? He's got a purple Lambo that he just got. He just bought. He put Loop on the door. That's, that's where the first bit of the money went to. Cage, your favorite color is purple. Just that's on a Lambo. Sure. Just on a Lambo. Just a you called Lambo. me. You said I'm a purple wave. Yeah, the other day, you told another guest that. Anyway, yeah. anyway, yes. I won't derail. I won't derail. You're a purple wave. You're a purple wave. That's your insert. But there's reasons why you're purple. Lots of reasons. Your love for party. So congratulations on <laughs> congratulations on the round of funding. Nat well, Turner's seven, a very intelligent man. So yeah, I'm curious, seven, Eric. Seven minutes in, it's already going off the rails. I love it. Uh, so Eric, that's a record. It usually takes me like three minutes. So consider yourself lucky. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, we we raised uh, we did some angel investments early on just to get out the door in October. And then, like you said, in late January or late December, early January, we got funding from Upfront Ventures in LA as, and Nat Turner as well was, was in that round, who obviously everyone knows now for, for PSA on top of his super impressive card collection. Um, we're using that money to scale the team and build features as fast as possible. Uh, we've been completely overwhelmed by the response of just people downloading and buying and wanting to sell on the platform too. Like I have hundreds of people sitting in my inbox right now trying to trying to get on loop. And I'm like, yes, please just give us time. We're, we're scaling. Um, Android comes out this month because we were able to hire a dedicated Android developer. Um, we're hiring uh, two other roles to just help scale the business. And the, the features that you're gonna see are, you're gonna see more dedicated breaking features so how do we handle the purchasing of spots or randomization in the app itself? So you don't have to like go do that elsewhere. And then also how do you, right now we're working with businesses and we have to look at how do we step back and allow, you know, somebody that just has like a high end single card, how do they come in and sell it versus taking that to eBay? And we, we obviously offer a lot 
better accountability, I would say, than, than eBay and how we uh, manage payments as well as vetting people and making sure they're not going to rip you off. So those, those are really the big things that are going to be coming over the next couple months. So you'll have a marketplace there for raw cards that people would just want to sell. So it could be kind of adjacent to the breaking. Yeah. So a lot of people see us as a breaking app, but we are a, we're a full hobby app. So from education of cards, anticipating what cards are coming out, who's streaming to watching live streams and live streams can be breaks. Live streams can also right. be somebody with 20 high-end cards and you're like, here's a PSA 9 Michael Jordan who wants right. to buy it. Um, to I love that you went there because I love the content side of it. That, and I bet a lot of people don't even realize like the entertainment value of just sitting in and watching the break. So I love that you went there. Yeah, when we have, when we have really big personal breaks, like last night we went uh, LeBron hunting with 2003 SP Authentic and Upper Deck Glass. We had like record numbers of people just sitting there watching one person buy, right. I think it was like $14,000 worth of cards, just watching these boxes being open because like it's it's a big social event. Um, and yeah, and then obviously we're looking at um, how do we, right now it's very much live streaming and people, companies that we're working with, store owners, et cetera. Um, but how do we take someone who just has like five cards they want to sell. They don't know if they'll ever sell again, but they want to sell these five. Um, how do we bring them into the app and allow them to do so? And we're, we're looking at that very seriously. Paige, if someone gave you any box in the world to break of cards, what, what, what wax would you want to break? And same question for you, Eric. You know, is there one product, one wax that you want to break? Uh, this is Eric's spot. Go for it, man. What do you? What's the one box you'd break if there's money is no issue. Money is no issue here. Is it? Is it exquisite? The one that came in the big wooden box. I think that's that's the one I would want to do purely because I've never seen one in person before. Um, like anything that comes <laughs> outside of a normal cardboard box, uh, kind of blows me away. So I would I would want to see that in person. And, and was Cage, was there just one card in the exquisite box? So, so it's like, you it's like a jackpot. You either hit or you don't. I don't even know, man. I don't even know what, what was in those, the wooden ones. I have no idea. I don't know if it was one card, multiple cards. I have no idea. But it's funny, right? Because, you know, you, you'd have to do like a mathematical analysis on that, right? If you got a sealed box, like, you know, I would think what's the most valuable card you could hit in the world, right? So I try to say like the Honus Wagner, right? Mm -hmm. But what are you open one pack of tobacco? half those don't have anything in it, you know? So that's not a break I really want to do, you know? And then if I do open it up, I'm going to get, I'm going to get some, you know, Mordecai Brown or something. I'm not getting, I'm not getting the one you want. Uh, I, listen, I don't know, man. I would tell you if I had to break a, break a box or something, um, you know, maybe 52 tops, you know, just for the, just for the sheer, like there's mantles in there and mm -hmm. like all those guys, I'm, I'm a baseball vintage guy at heart. Right. You know, for money wise, um i don't know those sealed 48 bowmans 48 leaf you know some of those you talk about just scarcity um some of the coolest breaks i've watched though 86 fleer they're obviously not you know they're hundreds of thousands of dollars but you know mm -hmm. that's cool stuff too because everybody wants to pull a nice michael jordan rookie that was that was gonna be my backup as 86 Fleer. <laughs> everybody and loves it probably my third choice would be like og pokemon just because, you know, it's just one of those weird products now that's blowing up. 
So you mentioned that you would have like, it's, it's Loop is a full service hobby platform. Mm-hmm. If, it, if we just talk about selling cards on that, right? So one of the big things with eBay is the return policy, right? Mm-hmm. And there's companies like Starstock that do instant ownership transfer. And I'd love to hear your take on NFTs as well. We could save that to the end because yeah. uh, you do come from the gaming space. How would you also handle that, right? Like the returns, the handoffs, someone ripped the, uh, the wax, they got a beautiful card, but then it arrived in the mail differently in a different condition than the buyer expected. How would you guys go about handling that, right? So right now, all, all sellers are vetted by us. They have to be registered as a business. Um, everything, everything is on paper. Um, there's no like fly by night sellers on loop and, uh, for now, everything's on live video. So you see it pulled, it's immediately sleeved and it's shipped out. Tracking number is dropped in the app so you can look at your purchase history and see exactly where the, if the package been shipped, where it is, if it's been delivered. Um, on high-end product, obviously we look at insurance and all of that and there's, you know, we're early so we're fairly flexible on it, but generally our terms are two days, two to three days. So if you get it, and you wait a week or 30 days to say, hey, I want a refund on this. Like, no, like you, you waited too long. Like you should, you should know within the day or two, 48 hours, if that is what you ordered and what you wanted and it came in the condition because you can't be breaking wax for somebody and then have them after the fact go, well, I didn't get the card I wanted. So let, let me get a refund on that. Like, that's not how we work. And if they do try to pull that, like they don't need to buy on loop anymore. Like we can prevent them from making purchases. Um, so they're not pulling that on us or new sellers. Um, and the same would, same would happen with, with um, the basically what we call peer-to-peer selling. We have some mechanisms in place that we're gonna enable. So it's, you know, I think eBay is getting better on making you validate who you are but there's still so much, like I, I sold a Kobe card that was maybe like $150. It wasn't anything huge, but on day 30, so the person got it, but day 30 after I sold it, he went, oh, well, you know, I don't want this card. And he tried to get a refund. And I, I had photos and I looked and I, I was 99% sure he had another card that he was trying to send back to me that wasn't in as good condition. Um, and you know, eBay gave me like zero leverage as a seller to do anything. Ultimately, I just took the loss on it. Um, but that's not a position I want to put anybody selling through our platform. Um, so how do you fix it? How do you fix it is, yeah, how do you fix it? Well, Hey, what does eBay do if somebody does that? Nothing. Yeah. So if let's say somebody does that, we would, we would have a much more restricted return policy if they Let's say he comes back 30 days, we'd be like, well, sorry, like why, why did so you- So is it 20 off? days? Is it 10 days? Is it five days? Is this something that's just like in beta now? It's not actually being done yet or- It's three days. So it's three days. You have a three yeah. day return policy, but that yeah. is just the breaking said, or is I this for- too early, but I said too early, but I think it's technically three days. Is that just right now for cards that are broken in live breaks and they send them back? Or this is for peer-to-peer selling? Like I go on right now, I'm a seller, you vetted me and I sell a PSA 10 Luca Prism. And the person gets it and day four, they, they look at it and they say, Hey, I don't really want this anymore because they found one cheaper. They come back to you and they say, Hey, you know, there's a little scratch on the case. It's day four. You're going to tell them, Nope. Loop policy is you have three days to return this. your SOL. Well, 
Well, there's a difference between policy and what I do right. as CEO. So if it's if it's a first-time buyer, if it's a high-end product and somebody comes in and says that, if they're buying high-end product, I'm going to go like, well, this is potentially a very good buyer on the platform. So I would facilitate communication to the seller and say, hey, if we do a refund, would you want this card back and want to resell it? And again, we're, we're looking long-term value of our sellers and our buyers. So we're going to facilitate as much as we can. But again, if I think at any point that buyer is trying to pull one over on us or they're like repeatedly doing this, then we would just remove their ability to buy from the, the platform altogether. Like that's not someone that we need going out and buying from everybody and trying to pull this for, for each one individually. Well, how sustainable is that for you, Eric, as the CEO of a company? You, you're, you're basically a Facebook mod now where you're going to arbit you know, be the arbiter of, uh, oh, the buyer's trying to pull one over. No, the seller pulled one over. I imagine that with the millions of dollars that have come in from funding, that you don't want to have a Facebook group. You want to have a legitimate business that has way too many of those deals going on for you to have to sit there and be Judge dread about, you know? So is it going to be a team? Is it going to be something that's just, you know, automated? I'll, I'll tell you why I asked, right? Because you, you struck a nerve with me. I don't know if you tell. I don't sell on eBay anymore. And I sold on eBay from 1996. Like when I started on eBay, man, I was taking yeah. money orders. It was before PayPal. You know, like I was taking money orders and waiting for checks to clear for 30 days before I sent out my Princess Diana Beanie Babies to people. You know what I mean? Like, forget about it. Like I was on for a long time. And I'm the power seller. Darius Slayton ended it all yeah, for him. Slayton ended it all. Darius Slayton was so, the so end of it. July last year, I sold a card. And look, people tried to do scams, you name it. And, and it's fine. But, but... My workaround doesn't work either because I sell through consigners. And this week alone, I got this, the consigners telling me you got all these all these cards coming back. They're all being returned. Why? Well, because I have not I have a return policy. You can return within thirty days. They don't have to give me a reason. But I know why because I sold it higher three weeks ago, and now three weeks later they can get it cheaper, so they're returning it and they're going to buy the same thing cheaper. So and eBay so doesn't think, say. So I think there's there's basically like four things that we do and are doing over time that will address this. Let's see. I said four. Let me see if I remember all four. Now that's all right. Five. If you say three, that's fine. If you say five, so I think there's, there's a there's a technology play for sure. So you're looking at AI powered fraud. You're looking at cards that are used. You know, you're looking at a lot of things around the cart, the the individual that's buying that's supplemental outside of your actual platform. And there's a lot of technologies that can do that. You're looking at policies, which I already touched on, like what are our publicly stated policies? How firm are we on them, depending on the individual and, and the sale that like that's on us? There's the there's the team, obviously, like there will be a support team that helps address this as we scale. And the last one is just community in general. So you're you're looking at it, and it's totally fair that you're looking at eBay. Like it's very easy to go into eBay with absolutely no commitment to the platform and just cause chaos. And, and even as a seller, like it's, it's able to do that. And at some point you'll eventually get caught and removed from the service. But the difference with Loop, and again, we're looking at education, anticipation, community, there's reputation, there's a whole profile, there's the public profile and what we see on the back end of your profile. There's tracking all of your purchases, um, how you interact with sellers, like there's all of that. And if you come in and maybe, and again, this is something we need to look at at scale is 
maybe when you come in as a brand new user, we restrict how much you can actually buy. And then you have to earn the right. And as you earn the right, you're building out your profile, you're building out your community and your collection. And there's a there's not just a monetary buy-in, there's actually like, how do you bring value to the rest of the community on the app? I like it. You're I not like operating it. in a vacuum on like right. a lot of these other marketplaces. Listen, as long as you have the back drop, you know, the infrastructure, the team, you know, the support to actually build that out where community factors in. That's great. But I'm going to tell you, Eric, you're coming into this and, you know, you drove the hobby. It's the weirdest time in the hobby's history, right? Because you got pumpers and you got crazy people on, on the internet mm-hmm. pumping stuff up. But, but here's the thing that's different now because everything's so damn expensive and because it's not $12 cards anymore, right? You mm-hmm. got people making returns who have 1,500, 2,000 feedback on eBay, these are people who have perfect feedback records for a thousand years. You got people in Facebook groups. I was on Clubhouse the other day and, and the Facebook group was going crazy about how this person, you know, came on and they said, Hey, I'll, I'll sell this card. It's uh, $85,000. Mm-hmm. And someone said, okay, I, I accept. I'll, I'll take the card for $85,000 deal. Tell me where to put the PayPal. And then of course, you know, they were like, Oh, you know, I didn't mean to, that wasn't my real price. You know, I really want 105 for it. And it's yeah. guys who are like legit in the hobby for a long time with, with big cards. And it's weird because I don't know why it is, right? But the dollar signs, they make people act differently, right? So I'm curious to see. I have all the faith in the world in you, Eric. Trust me, you're a SUNY guy. But beyond that, right, it's, you know, it's if you're really going to take some new technology to it, some behind the scenes algorithm mixed with a community and what this person does and like, you know, more than just a feedback score or whatever it may be, then maybe you'll be onto something, but it's a scary proposition with what's going on. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, I say this about every single business, every startup, like you learn when you go, um, it takes one person to mess it up. And then you're like, Oh, now we know what to look for. Like, I think there's there's a lot of value in as a seller, if you could look at a buyer's profile and see like, oh, they've done four returns in the last month. Maybe I don't want to sell to them. And we yep. give the seller the option to make that decision. Um, and like even that brings like a level of awareness that you probably wouldn't have elsewhere. From just, so I, I don't actually, so I have a very gambling compulsive personality. So I stay, I keep a distance between breaking and myself. But from, uh, I love your three-day policy because when I started in the hobby about a year ago, I did most of my buying on Mercari. And Mercari has, you know, uh, after three days, they track the shipment. The API knows that it was delivered. Uh, You have three days as the buyer to confirm the order. Once it's Mm -hmm. confirmed, done deal, everything done. And you leave reviews, the review for the seller, review for the buyer. But a lot of people who are bad buyers get blocked by sellers. So you can't buy. Mm-hmm. I think a big issue in the hobby right now is the, even as Cage said, you know, those thousand review accounts, they know that they could create another account. They could create, go on Facebook groups and buy. They could go on Instagram right. and buy. There's no accountability, I think, in the hobby for poor behavior. I think that's, if, if anything, that's what I've noticed. Yeah. And there's, and I, there's so many different things you can do. And I, it's kind of frustrating because like, I know that we're very early. We have big aspirations. We have, I feel like we have pretty good plans moving forward. We're definitely going to learn, but even like Grubhub. So like I have a Grubhub account and they emailed me one day on another email and they were like, Hey, get this awesome deal. I, I think it was Grub, Grubhub or DoorDash. Yep. And I went in and, you know, I tried to play with it and like get the deal on a new account. 
but they detected that you used the same card as the other account. And they went, no, you're not eligible. We see that you already have something with our system. And I went, if it's really that easy, why does every other platform have an issue with this? Um, and, and they were so protective of me getting 20% off a $30 meal, yet some platforms deal in thousands in transactions and they don't even make that enforcement. I love that. That's the product. That's the engineer in you. You notice those nuances and those details. Well, the engineer in him is going to have to balance out the angel investor and in the next round of funding where it, some of those companies as startups, it's more important to them to get the user base increasing over time and then to actually get true numbers of unique identifiable users. So Grubhub right now, they're probably not looking to increase their user base. Maybe they've put some technology <laughs> into making sure that nobody's taking advantage of them on their coupons. They've yeah. gotten to that phase. But in the beginning, they probably weren't looking at that. They probably said, I don't care if you sign up eight times, we can show our, our, our initial round of investors that we've now doubled in size. So you'll have to balance that out, Eric. I'm, I can't wait to watch. Eric, the truth is Cage is upset he hasn't gotten a pack at Topshop for a long time, and he's losing to those eight-account bots. There's always the hidden meaning, right? It's definitely – that's totally true because I didn't – I didn't – I know people who got account who got packs this past damn weekend, and they're making money on it because they have eight emails signed up, and I didn't. I put my one in, and I was 138,000th in line, (laughs) and I didn't get shit. And, yeah, I'm pissed. But, yes, it would be great because, Eric – I'm, I'm glad to hear a business person actually say it. It's, it's, it's not that hard, right? There is a, if you want to figure it out, you can figure it out. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give Topshop credit. I mean, they, for as fast as they went from, hey, there are bots literally just hammering our system to get packs as fast as possible to them switching to a lottery form. It doesn't solve everything, but at least it feels more fair than it did before where you're just like mashing the button hoping that you can get in. Um, but yeah, I think every every marketplace moving forward is gonna have to account for bare minimum bots. And then second, how do you try to limit number of accounts per user? Um, it's only gonna get worse from here. I'm curious what your thoughts are on Top Shot. Uh, and I ask from this angle, right? So you worked at Microsoft um, it's Seattle has that Silicon Valley tech UI UX vibe. Yeah. Uh, the hobby historically does not have a UI or UX vibe at all. I don't even think Cage even knew what UI UX was. I think Topshot has done an amazing. I looked it up because this is like the 11th time he said it. So I felt stupid like the seven, first seven. It's a eight. big deal. It's a like, big deal. In my opinion, ux? at least. What's X and UI? <laughs> X and UI. What is he talking about? Well, it makes it uh, UX is user experience and UI is uh, user interface, but it's a big deal because people are lazy. People drop off very quickly. Uh, and if there's any friction, people are like, I'll just go and use something else. I think what Topshot's done really well is a baby can learn it in like five minutes how to use it. And I'm curious, you from a product guy, what are your thoughts on NFTs and Topshot? Topshot first, NFT second. Yeah. And I'm going to, I need to preface this with the fact that I like, NFTs as an idea. So what I'm what I'm saying is from the point of view of like a tech consultant. So please, there are people who like they hear the first little piece of criticism and they're like, 
he hates yep. it. They, you know, they want to send nasty. No, I, and I appreciate that. You're absolutely right. The, <laughs> the lens you view something through is super important, right? As a customer, you view something differently than as an investor, than as a product guy, than as a tech consultant. So yeah, I appreciate yeah. So that. With that. With that context, I'm safe giving criticism. Um, I think NFTs are very, very early. I think Top Shot is the first one that's really stood out to me as interesting because they've, they've gamified it in a unique way with, with a thing that translates to what people, if you just said Top Shot is digital trading cards to the person who had no idea what NFTs are, they would at least go, okay, I kind of understand what that is. Like you open packs and get a thing. Now explaining the difference between buying a loot box in a video game where they can print infinite number of any item as much as they want to just keep making money versus something that's NFT based where they can say like, this is a finite number, you will get no more than this. And each one becomes valuable because of the restricted rare, like arbitrary rarity of it, then it's it's different. And that's, you know, we see it all the time, like Darren Rubell or, or uh, Gary Vee. Boy, Bell. Darren. They'll be talking about <laughs> NFTs and someone's like, well, I have this on my, I have this GIF on my phone. Is that, I mean, no, like that's a bad faith argument. You're just trying to be a jerk on me. It's internet. a great point, Eric. And I'll, <laughs> I'll go one step further, right? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm a moron, but I did not understand blockchain and Bitcoin until mm-hmm. after doing a week of research on Top Shot. So it's hundred percent right. It was like, it was like a, a nice, easy way to say, all right, well, you know, I get it now. I get the scarcity of it. You know, I get the, you know, the, the, the artificial scarcity The you know, that I get it. And you're right. I probably would not have gotten into it if, if I didn't go into it thinking, oh, it's a digital sports card, but it's not, you know what I mean? That's not, it's not all it is. Yeah. And the, I think Top Shot's the best one to date. Um, I do worry. There's a lot of things they're dealing with as a young company. I mean, we're every young startup, um, I actually don't know how old they are, but it doesn't seem like super long. Um, what I worry about is, let's say a pack comes out, you have 200,000 people who are just rushing. How, what percentage of that 200,000 are people who are buying with the sole intent to immediately flip that for a profit? And what percentage are people who are long on NFT and Top Shot? who are trying to scoop up all of that quick resale and then hold long-term or hold for a couple months and then flip for more money. Um, and it happens so quick that I, I worry that it's, you know, it's like a lot of growing in things, it balloons, it doesn't fully pop, but then it like deflates and settles Mm -hmm. a little bit. So I think overall it's good to be bullish on it. I don't think the level of engagement that it's at today is sustainable because you know, they're already restricting how much you can buy. You can't withdraw money, or it's very difficult to withdraw money. And as those things, all of that friction starts to expand and they start growing the number of top shots, I think you're going to see that a chunk of that 20,000 or, you know, they're going to leave and go, okay, I got my, I got my immediate couple hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars in sales. I'm moving on to the next thing that can make me money. Um, so it's going to be really interesting, but long-term I'm, I'm huge on NFT as it applies to utility. So if Fortnite, who right now is printing infinite number of costumes, said there's only a thousand of these costumes and they're all tied to NFT, and then you you sell it, or they sell it to a, a player, and then that player could go technically sell it anywhere 
but then Fortnite gets like 5% of future transactions and it's like locked to very specific accounts. Um, that to me is super interesting where once it has utility, then I think that value actually goes up exponentially. Is there is there a possibility of something like this where, so they're printing a ton of uh, skins now, mm -hmm. but also they have a limited NFT, you know, there's still going to be a thousands in circulation, but the first thousand printed are an NFT? Or does yeah, there have to be was, some discrepancy think, between? No, I, I, I think you're you're right. There's like a, a limited version. Maybe it's a slightly different color, yep. numbered version. Mm -hmm. If we're talking like cards, and then there would be a mainstream at scale version. Yep. And everyone could be like, hey, I got the bunny suit, but this guy that spent a thousand has like the exclusive rare color one. And I think that makes the exclusive rare one even more rare and valuable when you see how many people are out there have it, but this one's a rare. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I do wonder, and I think this is a, it's an interesting thought experiment that we'll never get an answer to, but it's when you have the, like the Mona Lisa's like near priceless, if not priceless. And That's how I think a cage buy, lawyer. They buy posters funny. of the Mona Lisa for $10 or whatever. And everyone knows what the Mona Lisa is and the main, the real one or the real ones have huge value. And I wonder if like, there's a, let's say there's a, there's a really beautiful like Kobe animated video that's on NFT. I forget, not very many yep. exist. And I wonder if in the future, somebody made a really big deal about that. And like, I'm auctioning off this Kobe NFT digital image and then let's Reddit is always <laughs> Reddit uh, trolls if in whatever group decided, hey, we want to mess this up. And they flooded the market with exact gifts and videos, the free versions, non-NFT versions, in the market everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, and they were just putting that image everywhere. Would that potentially degrade the value of the NFT version that's being sold, or would it increase the value of it being sold? by being now this like ubiquitous thing. Um, and I think we're probably a couple years out from seeing that, but it's gonna be really interesting. Like so social experiments like that around digital goods, like make me really excited. It's just like weird, weird behaviors that people do. I love that we talked about, oh, I'm excited about NFT's utility. And the example being used for the utility, which an old man like me, utility is like Batman's belt, which has a grappling hook that's going to save you from dying, right? Yeah. It's got like, you know, shark repellent that's going to save you from dying. But the example we gave, you know, advanced degrees here was a limited edition blue bunny suit on a video game. That's the utility. So it's just, it's a brave new world, folks. It is a brave new world. And people are going to pay $1,000 for the, for the limited bunny suit in the Fortnite game. I personally have never played Fortnite before. So I know there's a knight involved in it in some way. You know, I think he delivers Bud Light in commercials or something. I don't know what that there goes was, on there. There was, a piece of, there was a piece of digital art that I think sold today for like $60 million. So yeah, people. Big, yeah. Yep, and a uh, and a crypto punk sold for seven and a half million dollars last night. But what's funny about that is I understand it, right? And and that allowed me to understand Bitcoin because at first I was like, what? Why Bitcoin? Why is someone gonna pay that money for it? But now I get it. 
right? Mm. And Bitcoin at 55 grand or whatever it is seems cheap when a Beeple is $60 million or a, <laughs> or a crypto punk, which is like an 8-bit avatar that people want to pay to have, you know, on their Twitter picture, you know, you know, it becomes the new blue check is millions of dollars. It's just crazy, you know? It's, so, but, but at least I understand it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, to me, it's weird. But remember, you know, when I went to college, there wasn't the internet. So the world has changed a little bit. <laughs> you know, so. But uh, the, the big difference of Bitcoin is a $1 trillion asset, a Beeple, it, whatever even that oh, the give them time. this morning, is a $65 million asset. Give the big difference is, is Bitcoin is divisible, right? Yes. Where the and NFT isn't necessarily divisible. Uh, I'm curious, Eric, what do you collect? What do you like to collect? Uh, sports cards, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hockey, baseball, football. Oh, oh, I see. I see. Um, so I collect a lot of Kyle Lewis uh, baseball cards. Looking for let's go. Is that because you like knew him when you were in Seattle? Is it because like you know he he dated your sister? Like there are not many people <laughs> who collect Kyle Lewis now. You no. know, like so. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm just a you know I'm a fan in general of Seattle. I lived there for um. I, this um, Seattle tattoo. Um, so I mean, watching a player come up like him into the Mariners system, and like I have two of his gold wave auto of 50 cards. I want to collect as many of those as I can. I, they're just a beautiful card. Um, I collect re- like modern wrestling, which is kind of like my special little thing because I don't know many other people that do. Um, and I'm starting to get in the hockey, but it's it's interesting because I'm not a big hockey fan. Like I'll watch it, but I know tiny, barely anything about the sport. Um, but now that I'm getting into high-end hockey cards, and, and beer, mostly because somebody on our on our app sells hockey almost exclusively, and I'm supporting him and trying to learn about it, I'm going, oh well. Now that I'm learning the players and the teams, I can go watch this sport. And that's like getting me into it because I actually live pretty close to the the Panthers stadium um, here in Florida. So, and I could probably walk there and, and watch a game at this point. It's great. Not a lot of hockey, modern wrestling, and Kyle Lewis collectors out there. It's a it's a nice mix. Uh, we only laughed about the Kyle Lewis thing because before he even played a game. That was one of my first picks when we started this podcast off, right? You know, right when baseball, I was like, this guy's going to win the, the rookie of the year. And literally nobody else said that. So that was like one of my, one of my fun, you know, get him up for a buck now, you know, before he wins the rookie of the year and he won the rookie of the year. So he holds a special place in my heart. Also, I have a PSA sub that's in assembly right now that I sent in in like the second week of the baseball season last year. And it's filled with Kyle Lewis tops rookie cards. So I'm hoping to get like 60 PSA 10s back for this season. We'll see. We'll see how long PSA takes. Maybe we can talk to Nat. I'll give you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the order number. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think the, another. I, I didn't mention it, but another set I'm really big on is the uh, Nike did a six card set with Michael Jordan and Spike Lee, and it it came in a little cardboard case. I don't know if I have it. It's just like this little cardboard case has six cards in it. Every box is the same six cards. And I love them. I think they're just the weirdest little card. They actually have a different form factor than a normal baseball card or a basketball card. Um, so I'm actually, because you mentioned PSA, it made me think of that. Uh, I've, I have like three dozen of those cards going in. Um, just, I like weird things. 
I love it. What would you? It's okay want... to like weird things. That's how I wound up with Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll wrap with this first. Uh, could you tell people where they could find Loop and you know maybe give them a, a quick kind of the next 30, 60 days what to expect from the company, the business, and, and all that, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap. Yeah. So if you search Loop. L-O-U-P-E on the iOS app store. Our app is the top result. Um, Android is coming out, should be in about two weeks. Um, same, same thing, search for it in the app store. Um, for updates, you can go to loop the app on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we have, we post all the time, uh, loopthapp.com. We try to keep it pretty consistent. <laughs> um, if you search for that, you'll, you'll find us. And 30 to 60 days, like I said, Android apps coming out soon. We're adding some more robust uh, breaking features for group and team breaks. We're looking at uh, marketplace. We're adding some new features around our videos. So that's another thing we, we didn't touch on is um, we save all the videos of all streams. So you'll be able to go in your purchase history, tap on it, and it will actually take you to the video so you can go and look at the break. And eventually we wanna get to a point where you can export clips and screenshots directly to your social from that. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, so we have we have like four pages of roadmap features. So what we look like today is going to be very different than what we look like at the national and what we look at, you know, a year to two years out. Beautiful. So we'll have you back in a, in a few months to talk about Loop 2.0 and all the adjustments that you've been made and fun stories about how you how you dealt with those fraudulent buyers trying to return shit. That makes me happy. That'll make me happy to hear. You know and, what makes uh, me happy, Cage? So uh, we've done, wow. we've done about I don't 200. know. I've been trying to figure it out for a long time. <laughs> we've done like 245 <laughs> episodes here. And I think if memory serves me right, I might be forgetting one other guest. It's been all business people. It's been all investors. It's been money. Eric's mm -hmm. a product guy, right? I, you kind of get a different vibe from product guys. Product guys, you know, they want to change the world. They're creative. They, are, they pay attention to these design nuances. And it's enlightening to see... Uh, and hear from people getting into the hobby that, you know, I don't think we talked about money at all today. You know, it wasn't about how much can we buy and sell a card for. It was all experiential, building a community. And I think that's really cool. I think, Cage, you know, when you grow up during Mickey Mantle's time, like that was what it was about, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, uh, when when I, I was towards the beginning of Mickey's career and Babe Ruth was just finishing, you know, when I was a kid. But yeah, no, seriously, it is all about the community. And that's what's going to be the difference between who survives and who doesn't. Because everybody's coming in, everybody's getting funding, everybody's getting money. Hell, we're turning down funding from people for our, we have the greatest podcast on earth and we don't want to take any money from anybody. But the thing is, we're building a community. And I love that Eric said that. Because mm -hmm. that community will help with the business too. Because right? they'll weed out the problem people. You know what I mean? They'll be like, don't deal with that guy. And the community is what's going to give them their best ideas. And if they actually listen to that community and say, hey, guys, you know, here's some feedback. Here's what you do to change. You know, I'm sure that's probably where they got the, hey, you should have the videos of this of this break stuff from. Because people want to post clips of that stuff. So if you listen to your community and you build a product, you're going to have a better product because of that. So I love it. I mean, it's 100%, Andrew. I love it. Eric, last question. Seattle to Miami. How's that uh, cross-country movement? <laughs> I've actually lived in all four corners of the U.S. I, I grew up near Literally. Buffalo. Grew up near Buffalo, went to Seattle to work at Xbox, went to LA to work at a gaming startup for five years, and then I moved to Florida. <laughs> so it's been, I went from most possible snow you could probably get to areas where they hardly get any snow. And it's, 
Uh, it's been great. And obviously when the, when COVID is less of an issue, I'm going to go to so many sports games down here. Um, we'll, we'll see uh, who, who gets my love, Tampa Bay or Miami. Miami. Go with Miami. We got a good friend a in Tampa, bro Namath, so I'm going to go Tampa. It's tough to be a Tampa person now because Tampa just won, man. You can't be a be, I don't I don't like when people call me a bandwagon, man. Be, you know, <laughs> that's fair. So. That's fair. I definitely don't want to come off as a bandwagon fan. But the cage, they have Gasparilla. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah, I used to drink sarsaparilla when I went to the Wild West. You know, when I was a gunslinger back in the 1800s, sarsaparilla it was good. It was a drink. Is that who you're talking about? No, it's a festival in Tampa. People have oh. a good time. They drink. I they was dance. The they move their body. No, I don't move my body. Look at me. I, I, like I, I am aware. And not I recently. Move. I move for nobody. Eric, I don't know if you've listened to our podcast before. You know, we hope. No, if he did, he wouldn't have come on. Like, <laughs> number one, on number one, we want to we wanted to add we want to add value to our audience, and I think we do a good job at that. And I think there's a ton of value and ton of little nuances here within this episode. But we also want to have fun and banter, so we try to bring both of them. Yeah, man. Uh, listen, I, I, Loop. Everybody, go check it out. Loop. Appreciate it. Eric, thank you very much, man. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, Do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.